Welcome to the Grace Story Podcast, where we introduce you to interesting people and their inspiring stories. From Grace professors, current students, and distinguished alumni, to special guests and speakers on our campus, you can meet new people and hear how they are impacting the world around them. This podcast is recorded and produced at Grace College and Seminary, located on the shores of Winona Lake in the great state of Indiana. This is the Grace Story Podcast. Today we're interviewing Mike Yoder, husband to Letitia, father of four, two-time Grace alum, and now the executive director of Encompass World Partners and a two-time Grace podcast guest, which is quite an honor, right, Mike? I mean, I, I, I mean, guess so. I hope I don't disappoint. I don't know if there are many you know, higher honors than that it's to be uh, the Grace Story podcast two-time guest. Uh, you just got done with chapel and kicking off Missions Week here at Grace, which we're in our 63rd year of having a missions conference on our campus. Amazing. Um, what did you share with students this morning in chapel and, and why? Yeah, well, first, it's an honor to be back at Grace and to be uh, invited to speak at chapel, not just at chapel, but in the Mission Conference Week, uh, which is near and dear to my heart and something that I'm really glad that Grace has emphasized for all these years, uh, staying true to our mission to be Jesus followers uh, to the ends of the earth among the nations. So I was the first speaker this week uh, for Missions Conference, and I chose a theme and a passage that might be a little different than some would expect. I actually spoke from Daniel 1 in the example of the character of Daniel and his friends in a cultural situation that was hostile to their faith. And so I emphasized that perhaps the most important question for students to be asking themselves is not, um, what can I do or where may, may I go, but who should I be? What kind of person, what kind of character, what kind of resilience and commitment ought I to have with Jesus. And if I have that, then I'm useful to him wherever he sends me. Mm, makes me think to know Christ and to make him known. That's if you got, a great slogan. You should keep it. Yeah, we should keep that one. <laughs> but you know, if, you, if you're if you doing the to know Christ part, right, right. and then you're going to be ready to, to make him known wherever you are. Yeah, that's good. So um, tell us a little bit of your story. You know, you come to Grace, you you graduate, uh, and you ended up on the mission field. Um, first, tell me a little bit about, like, how you felt that call, uh, what drew you to where you ended up going, and then talk about your time in Germany. Okay. So I grew up for almost all of my childhood here in the Warsaw Winona Lake area. Uh, both of my parents were professors. My dad was later in administration in the 1970s and 80s. Um, and so I grew up very familiar with Grace College and Seminary. I look back at my childhood with much gratitude because I had mentors that I knew or other people that I observed that I thought, I want to be like them someday. They have a winsomeness, they have a conviction, they have a purpose in life that I find really appealing. So I was a teenager at Community Grace Brethren Church here and had some great youth leaders who not only talked about cross-cultural ministry, but then left and got involved in it. And so though I was sad to see them go, I thought they really put their money where their mouth is. And what they say about God's heart for the nations and about the gospel to the ends of the earth, they really believe it. And I was always interested in cultures and languages um, and learning about places and people who are different than me. And the question kind of percolated in my mind as a teenager, God could you use that. 
And so uh, my family moved in the middle of high school. I came back several years later to uh, Grace, and I was interested in either law or um, cross-cultural ministry. And through taking a bunch of classes, I ended up later on deciding, hey, I want to be involved in cross-cultural ministry. Not sure where or doing what. Uh, I spent some time over in Europe in the middle of my studies after my sophomore year, and that confirmed all of my interest and openness and also the need, the spiritual need in Europe. I had taken some French in high school and college, thought maybe there was a future in France, uh, but ended up later going to Germany. Met my wife here in college, Letitia Wiley. Um, We got married. She taught uh, in the public schools around here while I went to seminary. Great arrangement. She earns the money. I spent it. (laughs) And then in short order, when we were 25, 26 years old, headed over to Berlin, Germany, where we spent the next 10 years of our lives. So you're over in Berlin. Um, you know, talk a little bit about expectations versus reality of cross-cultural ministry for for you and your family. Sure. Um, I would say I underestimated the spiritual challenge it would be there, and I overestimated whatever my giftings or talents or abilities were in going. You know, it's easy sometimes at a Christian college or in certain environments to think that you're pretty important, you're pretty gifted, you know, you, you, God must be privileged to use you. Well, life shows you pretty quickly that you're a lot more needy and a lot less um, lovely than you think you are. And that was actually good for me in cross-cultural ministry. It was not long before I realized um, this is a God-sized work, and whatever talents or gifts I have, they're completely insufficient to see lives change. In fact, uh, to follow Jesus requires the grace of God in your life. So I, I think I overestimated that, and that was a great humbling work that I hope the Lord did and, and continues to do in my life. In terms of the spiritual climate in Berlin, um, one of the most atheistic, hostile cities in the world, but very advanced. Berlin is a survival city. They survived World War I, the Nazi era, World War II, the Cold War um, Berliners have the idea, what do you have for me that I haven't already experienced, that I haven't already looked at and seen through? So for us as young Americans to come there and speak of the gospel, for them it was been there, done that, though most of them had no clue what the message of the Bible was. So it was great to talk with highly educated, pretty confident, very resilient people about a message that greatly impacted their cultural history, but about which they had almost no personal familiarity with. It was a great experience and challenging. We saw handfuls of people come to faith in Christ, certainly not hundreds like you might find in more receptive parts of the world, um, but we loved our time there. Give us uh, one story of a person you remember in your time of ministry that you spent time with and, you know, give us a success story. I'm sure you have, uh, you know, the ones where it's like, but give us a success story of your time in Germany. Sure. There was a young man named Martin Martin, uh, who spent a year as an exchange student here in the States. And he came back to Berlin and went from what felt like a spiritually fertile place to him back to a desert. And like many exchange students are looking for believers, um, sometimes Americans or English speakers because of that experience that they can connect with. And so we connected with him and some others. I tried to build upon some of his exposure in the States uh, to 
Christian faith, and we started reading the Bible together. So we read through, you know, chapter by chapter, the book of John, so that he could be introduced to Jesus, not through the lens of Mike, but through the scriptures. And then I could talk about what this means and ask questions. And so he came to faith uh, a couple years into our time there, was baptized there, came from a well-to-do, educated family, um, but he knew something was missing. And when he was exposed to the person of Jesus, he had a, a eureka, that's it, aha moment. And I'm pleased, not only in his life, but in other people's lives, when they see Jesus for who they are, it changes everything. Yeah. So you come back to the States after uh, 10 years of fruitful ministry, and fruitful looks different, but it was fruitful, yep. um, and uh, began um, time of ministry at Grace Polaris on the board of uh, Grace College and Theological Seminary for 15 years, and just recently made this transition to becoming the executive director at Encompass World Partners. So uh, tell us what is Encompass World Partners? Mm -hmm. And you can even make a grace connection there for us. <laughs> um, and then uh, talk about that transition and sort of how God called you into this new role. Yep. So like Grace College and Seminary is the primary educational arm of the Caris Fellowship, formerly the uh, Fellowship of Grace Brethren Churches. Encompass World Partners is the cross-cultural mission arm of the Caris Fellowship. And so our duty, our calling is to serve the 230 or some churches in North America with their own response to Jesus's great commission, vision for the nations, and then practical ways in which they can send people, participate in projects, partner with national churches, and so forth. So we have uh, you know, over 100 staff, most of whom are deployed internationally, of all ages, doing a whole variety of things centered on the gospel. So church planting, church equipping, uh, a variety of holistic ministries, education, medicine, business, and so forth. In terms of my background, so we had spent, you know, close to 15 years with Encompass as staff members, most of which were in Germany, and then almost a dozen years in local church ministry in Columbus. And so when I was approached by the search committee from the Encompass board, Obviously, I had interest because it was kind of a convergence of several areas of interest or experience for me, uh, missiological studies, uh, cross-cultural living and ministry, and the local church. And so um, the convergence of those things piqued my interest, and uh, I guess I'm middle-aged now thinking, okay, Lord, if I make another ministry move or transition, and there may not be, be many left... Um, this is the kind of thing that I feel like I could pour myself into and where my past history or experiences in life could give benefit. Yeah. Uh, you've now been in this role officially for... I've been in the role for four months on my own. And then if you add a six-month transition with my predecessor, Dave Giles, all of 10 months. Long enough to know what I've gotten myself into and too short to know what I'm doing. Give us two things that you have learned about Encompass or about cross-cultural uh, ministry, um, maybe now compared to, to when you were uh, a missionary. Um, just two things that you've learned over the last you know, 12, 16 months. Well, it's hard to narrow it down to two things. I feel like I've learned or should have learned 20 things. Two things stick out. Number one, the world has changed since my wife and I back in 1997, 
moved cross-culturally, far less enamored with Americans, far more turbulent, and in certain places seemingly more resistant to uh, Western gospel influence. That means we need to be more creative, more winsome, more understanding in the cultures we go to. Second thing I would say is that um, the generation of young people now has changed. Gen Zers, if we can use generational talk or even uh, younger millennials, are, are quite different than people my age, Gen Xers and so forth. Uh, we're affected not only by the culture that we grow up in, but we're affected by how we view the world and the things that we value, the things that we uh, want. And it's hard to say one is bad or good. We all have our flaws as generations and we all have our opportunities. But uh, what was the old phrase? This isn't your father's Oldsmobile. This generation is not my generation. And so to lead and guide and shepherd them well, I need to learn to understand them and to appreciate who they are, not just impose who I think they ought to be like my generation. Yeah. Uh, so you, you mentioned, um, you know, not as enamored with Americans, so you got, you have to interact differently. I have read, I was reading a book recently, um, actually by an alum of grace that just talked about how the, uh, there is an explosion of, of Christianity, um, more in the global South, mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas historically we think of Christianity as, you know, more in the North. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see that in your, you know, within Encompass and how does that impact kind of even how ministry happens? For sure. And that's not just something that we experience as Encompass. Any evangelical mission agency or work realizes that in places like Sub-Saharan Africa, almost all of Latin America, pockets of Asia there is a significant receptivity to the gospel and certainly an awareness of spiritual things. The real desert is Europe, to be sure, um, parts of the Muslim world and other parts of Asia that have uh, a non-Christian religion that's very deeply rooted in their worldview, and increasingly in North America. So how we go about ministry has to be different based upon the context, but there's a lot to rejoice about when we look at Latin America, Sub-Saharan Africa, and maybe even some places like China, you know, there's a lot of political talk and cultural competition. But one of the things that we might discover in due time or when we're all with the Lord is how much he was at work and we didn't realize um, the gospel receptivity of people. We can't, we don't see it all. The, the Chinese government and media doesn't advertise that. But the investment made generations ago, I think, has borne good fruit in parts of China. Uh, over this next year or so, you know, you're, you're still in the uh, the, f- the first year phase. Um, what are some things you're really excited about doing or championing? So two things. On a personal level, it's really important for me to um, make connections with all of our staff in their locale or region. I've been away from Encompass for the last dozen years in a local church setting. And so there are a lot of staff we have deployed around the world that I've, that I don't know at all, or I've just met. And before I give any counsel or guidance or direction, I want to know and appreciate these people. And I want to know the context in which they serve. That will probably mark the kind of leadership that I attempt to offer Encompass and them in particular. So that would be one thing. I also am really passionate 
about mobilizing Gen Z, young adults, in a fresh and new way in the coming years. We've been through some hard times in the world and North America in recent years. And uh, some would say there's end in sight and some wonder if there is. Uh, certainly look at COVID and cultural turmoil and um, just a sense of people feeling alienated and isolated. That affects the willingness of people to consider risk and relocation and uh, negative responses from others. But I think Gen Z is ready to be challenged by the commission of Jesus, even in the face of those things. But we need to learn how to speak with them and to them so that they realize, hey, this is God's calling on our lives. How are we going to embrace his unchanging mission? I don't have all the answers to that, but I look forward to trying in the coming years. Okay, so I want to bring it back full circle. We talked about chapel at the beginning, and you're here at right at the beginning of Missions Week. Uh, what are you... Um, experiencing or seeing amongst the students at Grace College, and you've been around for a while. And, and so that's one. And then two, what do, you, what, do you, what do you hope they get out of this week? So let me start with the second question. What I hope that they get out of this week is a, a responsibility. If I belong to Jesus's family, I'm included in Jesus's mission. There's no opt-out clause. The question is where, how, with whom, when, but you're already included in Jesus's gospel team. Being around Grace for a number of years and then being back on campus, I'm reminded again of the openness of college students and of young people. They're aware of the challenges in the world. They're aware of how Christianity is often viewed they're probably more aware than my generation of their own deficiencies or things that they don't feel confident about. But the great thing about the gospel and Jesus is um, he, his power and his purpose trumps all of the fears and deficiencies that we feel. And I think that young adults are more receptive to that possibility than the rest of us as we age and find excuses for why Jesus can't or shouldn't use me. It's great to be around young people in whom the Spirit of God lives who are willing to be used in ways that he chooses. I was just talking with a uh, second-year student uh, Sunday night at a church function. Um, she attends here at Grace, goes to church with with uh, us. Hadn't met her before, and you know, I kind of said, what, what do you want to do? Um, and, and she said, I want to do something cross-culturally for Jesus. I don't know exactly what that is, but I'm excited to figure it out and find out. And I'm like, that is, the Lord will use that in one way, shape, or form. And that is exciting. And I, and I always say uh, the value of working at a place like Grace is thinking about the people and the places our students will impact that I may never know about or hear about, but throughout the world and in different ways, them being equipped to go make a difference for Christ. And that's exciting. And as I hear you talk about that, I just think, you know, an experience like Grace is cultivating receptivity for what the Lord wants to do, not just now, but in the years to come. Grace may not plant all of the seeds. Grace may not be able to say, your life is going to line up like this. But grace can create the receptivity, the willingness, the expectation that God is going to lead me in the coming years. I just need to be open to his direction. 
Well, uh, Mike, I just want to say I appreciate you as um, a, a friend who we both come into these leadership positions at about the same time. Um, you have some more leadership experience than I do, and I've leaned on that heavily. And uh, just personally, thank you for your investment and encouragement to me. Thank you. I'm glad you're in this role. I love Grace College and Seminary, and I hope that our best days are yet ahead. If someone wanted to follow you or follow Encompass, engage with Encompass, what's uh, some of the best ways to do that? Well, certainly our website, encompassworldpartners.org. Uh, we have a number of uh, mobilization staff who are here on campus this week. Uh, Dave Pacheco, a Grace alum, is our new director of mobilization and recruitment. Wonderful guy, great team. Um, they should contact him. They can contact me. We want to be in churches with people, not just young people, middle age, older, who say, how can I be tangibly involved in the Great Commission, perhaps as a sender or goer? We want to partner with you. God will show us how we do that. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. And thank you to everyone for listening to the Grace Story podcast today. Thanks to Rick and Avery for their work in producing the podcast. Of course, if you can like, comment, subscribe, share this with others, we'd love for them to discover it as well. If you have questions, comments you'd like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at grace.edu. Until next time, live your best Grace Story today. <laughs> <laughs>